good to be here, and it's my honor to be here today. And uh, my wife is here with me, Heather, and I won't take a long time of doing the intros and the thank yous, but we do sincerely love your pastor and his family. Pastor Mitch and Brandy Rose are lifelong friends of ours, and they are amazing people. You, you, you should do that all the time. You should cheer them and, and applaud them because of, of the kind of leaders they are and the people they are. And um, I won't go into a lot of detail. He, he said it really well earlier. He said, you don't, we, we grew up in Arkansas together, um, and there is, there's Arkansas, and then there's where we grew up. And so, like, a lot of you might joke about Arkansas, but you joke about the good Arkansas. You don't even know the part of Arkansas that we grew up in exists. And he said, you, you wouldn't know on a map where we were from. We couldn't explain it to you where we're from. But we, we've grown up together, and we've known each other for a long, long time, and, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here today and to close out this series on, on, on the blessed life. And here, here's, here's what I want you to understand, and I, I want to make this very clear from the beginning of, of our time together today. I am not here to speak to you in order to try to get more of your money. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to, to try to convince you or to coerce you or to man, manipulate you into writing bigger checks I don't think they'll turn those down if you do that, but that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to, to try to impose upon you or force upon you something. I'm here to talk about and to close this Blessed Life series and what I believe the key and the vehicle to living a Blessed Life series is the principle of generosity. I believe that very strongly in my life, and, I, and I'm very convinced of that. But here's the thing I want you to understand from the beginning, and I just want to set the, set the ground rules or, or set the parameters, if you will, that generosity is not a law. It's a principle. Principles are not something that we have to do. So I'm not here to tell you today that you have to be generous. I'm not telling you today that if you're not generous, you're not saved. That's not what I'm doing. I'm never going to add to what Jesus did at the finished work of the cross when he gave his life for you and saved you. You don't, you're not generous and then all of a sudden you're automatically saved. That's not what it is. It's also not a, an automatic get out of hell free card. Like we're not here trying to tell you that if you give more and you do more, then you won't go to hell. If you're doing it just to escape something, then it's not generosity at all to begin with. So I just want to, I want you to relax and I want you to breathe and I don't want you to think, oh, here we go again with another sermon about me giving money or, or me doing this. I just want to, I want to talk to you about a principle, very practical, and I want to use a lot of scripture and I want to dig into the word and, and just spend some time and hopefully when we get through the end, you'll understand a little bit more about the reasoning and why generosity is so important and how we can be generous. Proverbs 11.24 is where I'll start. And this says, One person is generous and yet grows more wealthy, but another withholds more than he should and comes to poverty. Here, here's my translation. One person gives what he has and gets more back. Another person keeps what he has and loses. That's, that's my simple translation of what Proverbs 11.24 says. I'm, I'm very privileged and I'm so honored to be the daddy of two amazing kids. Maggie is 11. She's going on 22. And Ian is 8. 
almost nine, and he's going on about age two, I think, sometimes when he's around his mama. And, uh, like, his mama got on to him the other day, and she just kind of tapped his face to get his attention, and he just, ah! you know, he just, just, just my big old lovable boy. And, and so I'm honored, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of differences between Maggie and Ian, and one is this concept or this principle of generosity. Mother's Day was just a couple of weeks ago, and we were, us three were together in the car driving, and Maggie began to become very concerned because she had not yet got mommy something for Mother's Day. And so I said, well, what do you want to do for her? I wasn't thinking anything big. I'd already taken care of her for us all as a family, but that wasn't good enough because that's what Daddy had done and not what she had done. And she said, I want to go to anthropology and get Mommy a gift card. Like this 11-year-old girl already understands the significance of anthropology. And I said, well, okay, what, I, what do you want to do? She goes, I want to get her a $100 gift card. I'll use my own money. And I was like, no, you're not going to use your money to buy Mommy that kind of a gift card. She doesn't expect it. She doesn't need it. And she really got frustrated about it because I wouldn't let her do that. The back seat, I asked Ian, well, Ian, what, what do you want to do for mommy? What do you want to buy her? And he said, you know what? I think I'll just make her a card because I want to keep my money. So like Ian's concept of gift giving is daddy buys the gift and Ian gets the credit because he's not going to spend his money. So Maggie has this generous spirit. Ian, we're going to work on that with Ian and, and we're going we're gonna to get him to that point. But it started with Maggie a few years ago when she was in third grade. And she played travel softball with a team comprised mostly of her friends from her class at her school. It was a small private school. And we were sitting at a a softball game, Pastor Mitch, down in Helena, Arkansas. You know where that is. You you know where that is. And I'm just thankful to escape that place. That's That's a blessing. And we were sitting there, and I was watching my daughter out there with her friends playing softball and and some grandparents walked up to me. There were a set of twin girls that were being raised by her, their grandparents, and they were on the team with Maggie. And they walked up to me, and they handed me some money. And I said, what's this for? And the grandparents began to explain to me that a few days earlier, they had been at a birthday party. The girls had all been at a birthday party together at a skating rink, and they were having fun and having a good time. And everybody got to go, to go skating, but you had to bring your own money to get the snow cones and the and the pickles, and the popcorn, and the drinks, and all the good things that come with that. And so Maggie is getting herself something, and all the other kids are getting something, and Maggie noticed that these two girls, these twins, didn't have any money to get them something. And so Maggie just decided, without anybody telling her, without anybody being around, that she was going to go and give those girls the opportunity to get more than they could have received otherwise. And so they gave, she gave these girls some of her money to give. Now, Maggie didn't expect anything back, and Maggie didn't tell me or her mom that she had done this because she wasn't trying to get the attention. And when the grandparents came to me and they brought me that money back, I got so proud of my little girl because she had learned the principle of generosity and that those girls already had an experience of skating. But because Maggie was generous and she was willing to give more than she had to give or more than she was expected to give, then those two girls got to experience more than they would have had my daughter not been generous. And that is the principle of generosity. And I feel like that that we get to a place in our lives, I struggle with this, and I think all of us do, that we struggle with this principle of generosity. Remember, I'm not telling you you have to do anything. Please don't, don't, don't think that. And I'm gonna, I'll even double down and close on that. 
in a, in a little while to, to try to, to really get that into your spirit that I'm not here to try to impose upon you or force you into anything. But there is a principle of generosity that is so key to this blessed life that we live, but we struggle with it. And the enemy of our life comes in and he starts planting seeds of doubt about who we are and what we have to give. And so I feel like that there are two primary reasons why that we struggle with this principle of generosity. Number one, we don't like our ability to give. I don't like what I have to give, so I'm not going to give it. I don't like what I can do, so I'm not going to do it. And then I feel like that the second reason that we struggle with generosity is that we have determined that we can't afford to give. Can't afford it. I got to keep it for myself. I'm struggling as it is. I can't do much as it is, so I've got to keep it for myself. And so we struggle with generosity. And all of us struggle with generosity. We're, we're, we're born to be stingy people. I've never seen a two year old automatically just want to let somebody else take their toys, especially when it was in my family. When I mean, my, my daughter and my son, who are three years apart, they still struggle with this whole generosity thing. It's just who we are. We, we struggle with it. But there is, on the other side of it, there is a blessing in it that cannot be denied. And so today I want to deal with these two things, legitimate reasons perhaps, not even bad excuses or made-up things that we all struggle with. We don't like what we can give, so we just don't give. And we've determined we can't afford to give it, so we hold it for ourselves. This is not just money. This is more than just dollars and checks and credit card payments online. This is about your time. This is about your gifts, your talents, your service. God has called us to all be generous. So let's deal with this first thing or this first reason that we struggle with generosity. We don't like our ability to give. I'm going to spend a little bit of time in the book of Exodus, Exodus 25 through 40. And in, the, in this, these, these chapters of the Bible, a story unfolds that God speaks to Moses and tells Moses his plans for building a tabernacle in the midst of the people, a place where God could dwell with his people every single day. He had brought them out of Egypt. They had part of the Red Sea. They're on their way to the promised land. The, the, the Israelites still are fussing and griping and complaining because rather than be set free, they look at everything around them and they have these desires to go back to where they came from. And God says, I want them to be reminded every single day that no matter where they're at, no matter what they're facing, no matter what they're going through, that I am with them and I am in the midst of them. And so that's what Exodus 25 through 40 is all about. It's about God being very repetitive and very clear, very concise about this plan for building a place for the presence of God to dwell daily among his people. And so God has spoken to Moses and God has given him the plans. And we arrive at Exodus 35. And Moses is going to tell the Israelites, his people, what God has spoken. And this is what Moses speaks to the people in verse 4 of Exodus 35. He said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. I want to stop right there before I go any further. And I want you to understand that this is not about anything that, that Trent is commanding you to do. Again, 
It's a principle that comes from God that we can be generous. So this is not something Pastor Mitch is saying to you. This is not something, this blessed life is not something that we've gotten together in the back of a room and we've come up with. This is all about what God commands us to do. And he says this in the next verse. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing, bring an offering to the Lord. And then we skip down to verse number 20 and we see the response of the people, the whole Israelite community, withdrew from Moses' presence. Hear this and see this. Everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service, and for the sacred garments. Very important to understand. Everything they brought served a very unique purpose. But some of those unique purposes weren't as grand or as visible as the other. Some gave for the work on the tent of meeting, the building, everybody could see that. Some gave for its service to expand the ministries, to go beyond, they could see that. And some gave to work for the sacred garments, for the priesthood, things that aren't very noticeable, things that you may not see, that you may not get credit for, that you can't put your name on. But I want you to understand that everything that they gave had a purpose from God. Everything they gave had a purpose from God. So here's the first point about the principle of generosity I want us to understand. The principle of generosity has little to do with what you give but it has everything to do with how and why you give it. It's not about the what, but it's about the how and the why. So here's something really profound, and this is why you delayed your Memorial Day plans to come to church today so you could hear me give you this revelation that is going to just make your mouth drop wide open, and you're going to want to shake my hand and try to get some of the wisdom I possess. You ready? You ready for it? You cannot give what you do not have to give. You cannot give what you do not have to give. And sometimes, a lot of times, rather than give what we have to give, we determine that our gift isn't good enough or doesn't matter enough or doesn't measure up to the person on the other side of the building that's giving, so we just don't give anyways. We just keep it to ourselves because what we have to give doesn't matter. But I've come to tell you this morning and speak to you that this blessed life is all about you understanding that everything you give matters to God. Everything you give matters to God. It's something I struggle with. And it took me a whole a lot of years to get comfortable with who God made me to be and what God made me to do. You see, I, I, there, there's, there's, there's a couple of really distinct differences between me and Pastor Mitch. It's not our height. I'm actually like a little bit taller than him, so that's why he's my friend, because I'm not taller than anybody. But him, just, just, just a little bit. Not, not trying to measure or compete, but I am a little bit taller. And it's not to do with our body shape, because we, we both look about the same. But Pastor Mitch is an incredible creative communicator, which I'm not. And he has hair, which I don't. And he has a cool haircut. And I don't have that. So there's, there's been a struggle for me 
to be okay with who God made me to be. And to be able to give what I have to give. My whole life in ministry, I've been the administrative guy. I've been the guy that goes behind the closed doors and crunches numbers and works on budgets and makes sure things are working. I, I, I tell people I'm like the guy that goes in and does the plumbing. I, I've, I've kind of made myself like the commode. Everybody can just flush their stuff through and nobody else sees it. And that's a very difficult place to be in sometimes when you see that all your friends and your peers are doing more, that are more visible. And, and, and so I have a lot of times just stayed home and sat and done nothing because I didn't like what I had to give. But I will tell you this, that I'm not here speaking to you today because I'm a creative guy or I'm an incredible communicator or because I'm trying to be something I'm not. I'm here today because I made up my mind to use what God gave me, and so I just give it. I could have stayed at home today. I could have gone to the hotel. I could have like gone to the theater down the street, down a hall and watched Solo with my stubs, my stub sub card and, and, and a large popcorn, and that's going to happen in the next two or three days. Judge me if you will, but I will watch Solo. But I came here today because I had something to give God, and it may not be a whole lot, but it's something and it matters, and God's got a purpose for it, just like God's got a purpose for your life. That's what it's all about. So back a little bit up into Exodus 35, when Moses is talking to the people, remember telling what the Lord commanded? Here's here's what, what Moses said, from what you have, Remember, it's from what you have. It's not from what you don't have. You can't go steal from somebody to give. Like, you can't go rob a bank and then give money to the church and think God's going to be okay with that. Now, if you play the lottery, it's going to be okay. Like, we'll, we'll forgive you and we'll do whatever you got to do if you win the lottery. That's fine. But don't go rob somebody and give. It's from what you have. God's given you a measure for you to use from what you have. Take an offering for the Lord. You've got to be willing. We're not forcing this upon you. We're not manipulating. We're not, it's, it's not some type of, of, of forced issue. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold and silver and bronze. These are really cool things. Blue, purple, scarlet yarn and fine linen and goat hair. And he keeps on and he says, rams. Skin dyed, and other leather, and acacia wood, and olive oil, and spices, and fragrant incense, and stones, and gems, and all these things. And then flip back up to that previous verse. But in the middle of all that, God told Moses, I need goat hair. Somebody chuckled. Because it sounds funny. See, there's a pattern here. God knew that not everyone had gold. God understood that not everyone could bring silver or special leather or or special spices or special oils. God understood, but God also knew that everybody had something to give. Here's what I want you to understand, that the offering of goat hair was just as necessary and important as the offering of gold. And we have to be okay and understand that our generosity is just as important and just as necessary as what other people are being generous to. And so then we go back down and to the response of the people in verses 22 through 24. They were willing. They came. They brought gold. They brought brooches, earrings, rings, ornaments. They presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone, they brought blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, fine linen. And then some people brought goat hair. 
If I were going to title this today, I would title it The Goat Hair Principle. And that principle is this, that it doesn't matter how big or small your gift is, it's needed for the work of God. It doesn't matter how, how large or small or how valuable or invaluable society or the world deems what you have to offer. When you bring it to God as an offering, a willing vessel that wants to be used of God in any way, shape, or form, God can take your goat hair and he can make it just as precious as the next person's gold. And that's the goat hair principle. See, when it came to what they were giving, they all gave differently. But when it came to how and why, they all gave the same. They gave because their heart was moved. This was very key because back when the conversation began in Exodus chapter number 25, verses 1 and 2, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to them that they take from me a contribution. And from every man whose heart moves him, you'll receive the contribution for me. There was nothing that, that, that was a requirement or a prerequisite for bringing a contribution to God except their heart had to be moved. They had to be willing. They didn't have to have certain amounts of gold or certain bottles of spices. They didn't have to have certain quantities of anything. It just mattered to God that they were willing. And when you become willing, God can do anything with what you have to give. I put myself in this position. I've, I've, I've imagined it several times over and over, thinking about me and my family. And if I were in this scene, like my son, I mentioned him earlier, he's, he's a rule follower, he's a list follower, and, and he, he's very embarrassed, and he doesn't like Daddy to embarrass him. Like if I called him and said, hey, Daddy was dancing at church this morning like this, like he would be in his, like underneath the seat right now saying, Daddy, stop. And I could just imagine if me and Heather and and Maggie and Ian, we're in this scene and we're getting ready to go and present our offering, our contribution to the work that Moses had talked to us about. And here I am and Maggie and Ian are like, hey, where's the gold? Where's the silver? Where's our spices? And all of a sudden, here I come out of the backyard and I've got white trash bags full of goat hair. And I'm taking them. And I could just imagine the shame that my kids would have felt and the embarrassment that they would have caused. And there's, oh my gosh, I can't believe my daddy's doing this. He's taking goat hair. My friend took gold. Their mom and daddy took silver. And their mom and daddy had all these spices. And my daddy's taking goat hair. See, the, the, the gold had already been presented as a wave offering. All that stuff had been given. And then all of a sudden, here comes the last group of people with their bags of goat hair. And I'm sure that there was probably people that were murmuring and mimicking and mocking and in the back, but they didn't get it. Those people still took their goat hair, and God used it to make a place for him to dwell. I know we don't like it sometimes, and I know it, it's not good sometimes, and I know that we feel like we're being judged by others by what we have to offer, but I'm here to tell you this morning That if you're going to truly live a blessed life, then you're going to have to stop discriminating against who you are, who God's made you to be, who God's called you to be, and what God has given you to return to give back to Him. You've got to stop discriminating against it and just understand that God has given you some amazing things to give Him. Do it in a willing manner. And God will use what you have. It's the goat hair principle. I don't like it, so I don't give it. But God uses goat hair 
and does amazing things. God can use me to do something for him. I can't do all this creative stuff. Like, I've never used one of these things to speak. I'm still looking at my white notes and my yellow folder that my wife makes fun of. Like, this is my stuff here, y'all. And I've got a, I got a, teaching, a teaching monitor. That's what they call them these days. I don't, I don't know what to do. Am I supposed to touch this? Am I supposed to get out of the way? I, I don't know. I don't have a lot to give God. I, I'm not really qualified in a lot of things. But somewhere along the way, I just had to accept the fact that my contribution was goat hair. And that's okay. Because God needs it in order to make his kingdom work. And God needs you. And God wants you. And God desires you to make his kingdom work. You see, really, what I said, that God, God doesn't really need you. Because he has everything, right? So this generosity stuff is not really about him. It's about us. And that's why he was so concerned with us being willing and having our heart moved on us that we don't have to be told what to do. We just do it because it's what we're moved to do. And then we come to a close here shortly with this second reason that we just determine we can't afford to give it, right? We, we can't afford it. We, we've come to the acceptance of what I have, I'll give, but now wait a second, I can't afford to give it. I know it's hard to be generous. I know this concept and this principle is not easy to live by, especially if you're struggling to make ends meet. Sometimes we can barely take care of ourselves or our children because we're so stretched. And so the thought of being generous with our time and our resources and especially our money overwhelms us. But remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 25, generosity begets generosity and stinginess impoverishes. It goes back to the Proverbs verse I read at the very beginning, that if I give, I get more. If I keep, I lose. So here's the, what it all boils down to. How we view generosity determines our attitude towards generosity. Because for some, giving is something that you've determined in your mind you can't afford to do. Then there are those here this morning that you've determined that you can't afford not to give, and so you give. But why we give and how we give matters to God, and if we're viewing it with the right attitude and we're looking at it through the proper lenses, then we'll understand that generosity is never a have-to thing, but generosity is a get-to thing. It's not something that I'm legislated to do, that I'm required to do, but it's something that I am able to do and I am honored to do. Why? Because generosity should always be motivated by grace. Paul holds up the Macedonian Christians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as a really cool example of what was going on and how people who view generosity through grace, began to respond. He says this. He says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles. They're very poor. So from the very beginning, we understand that they didn't have their act together. Everything wasn't going their way. Every T wasn't crossed. Every I wasn't dotted. They didn't have a whole lot of stuff. They were broke. 
They were living in poverty, a lot of them. They were being persecuted. They had a lot of trials and tribulations, and a lot of them were sick and not feeling good. Unemployment wasn't wasn't real low. It was high. The economy wasn't working well for them. The government wasn't working well for them. Sounds familiar for a lot of us, right? But what doesn't sound familiar is their response. But they were also filled with abundant joy, which overflowed in rich generosity. Paul said, I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they gave of their own free will. They they didn't just give a little bit, but they gave more than they could afford because they were filled with abundant joy, and that abundant joy caused them to be generous Not because they were told they had to be or because they were preached that they had to be or because there was some law or rule that told them they had to be, but from their own free will, they gave more than they could afford. Next verse. They even begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for. It would be like, Pastor Mitch standing up next Sunday and saying, you know what, there's a, an opportunity that we have and I need everybody here to give $3 a piece. And like everybody stood up and begged to give like $300. No, Pastor Mitch, please let us. Like you're not going to have to spend a lot of time begging, I promise you that. But, but understand that they, they were living in a difficult time. But because of what they were motivated by, they were generous giving more than they could afford of their own free will, their heart was moved so that they could share in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem so that they could do more than what was just happening for them. It was bigger than who they were. It was more than just their little small environment, but there was a big picture here of what was going to happen if they were generous and they did more than we could hope for. What would cause people to do that? Why would individuals facing such situations do that? I'll tell you why. In verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 9, Paul tells us why. Because the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were so thankful for Christ's sacrifice for them and so vitally aware of what they had received in Christ. But they were motivated to be generous, to give as much as they could, more than they could, because of the grace of Jesus Christ. See, we have to move beyond this fact. Listen, I'm not saved because I'm generous. I'm not saved because I give. I'm saved so I am now generous. I'm saved so I now give. This is not a a law that we have to live by, and we don't want to live under the law. But a lot of times when it comes to our generosity, all of a sudden we view through the lens of the law. I have to. They're making me. They're forcing me. They're manipulating me. No, we're not. We're not telling you you have to do anything, but you get to do it. And if we look at it through the proper lenses of God's grace, then it's no longer an issue. It's something we desire to do of our own free will. And when all is said and done, we're going to do more than we were ever even asked to do. Because under law, I give because I have to. 
Under grace, I give because I get to. Under law, I give the least I can to keep God off my back and keep Pastor Mitch off me and others off me. But when I do it under grace, I give as much as I can to express my gratitude to God for His love. Stinginess always flows from from law giving. But generosity comes from the grace of God. We love to live, and we, we celebrate living right here in every area of our life. But when we talk about generosity, Pastor Mitch, a lot of times we kind of go back and we make it about this. And when we talk about giving, especially in the area of finance, all of a sudden it becomes a law that we, we take offense to. No, it's not. That's stinginess. Generosity comes from the grace of God. It's a principle. You don't have to do it. So I close this morning asking you this question, what moves your heart? Because our sin nature doesn't naturally desire generosity towards the things of God. I mean, really, isn't enough enough? How much more can we be asked to do? When are they going to stop asking me? When are they going to stop talking about it? Here's the big question I want you to go home and I want you to try to answer for yourself. And if you come up with an answer that's different than mine, then Pastor Mitch has all my contact information and I want you to give give it because I need it. And here's the big question. When does God's grace stop? Because my my answer that I have found is never. It doesn't stop ever. It's always there. So if God's grace never stops, and I view generosity in light of God's grace, then I'll never stop being generous. If you can find a time where God's grace stops, in that moment, please stop being generous. But until you find that place, generosity should always happen. So I said this in the beginning, and I want you to understand again that generosity is a principle. But harvest is a law. And there's a big difference between a principle and a law. So a principle is something that's a guideline. We, we live by it. It can be subjective. It's open for various interpretations. Some people see it one way. Others see it another way. There's, there's lots of bending. There's wiggle room in a principle. But a law is fact. You can't change it. The line is straight, and you can't move it. There's no bend. There's only break. So we begin to talk about generosity. We understand that generosity is a principle. But harvest is a law. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, the point is this. Here's the law. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That's the law. We cannot change that. It is a fact. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Here's the principle. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's the principle. So in this verse, we have to deal with the law that says, if I'm not generous, I'm not going to reap generosity. And then the principle says, you just got to decide for yourself if you want to do it. And I love how Paul kind of concludes this verses 10 and 11 he said he who supplies the seed to the sower Jesus and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase 
the harvest of your righteousness. So in other words, the more generous you are, the more he's going to give to you to be generous. Again, it fulfills the whole thing. Generosity begets generosity, but stinginess begets stinginess, right? So Jesus is going to supply the seed to you. And the more you sow it and give, the more he's going to give back to you. You'll be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way. I can't afford to not be generous. Because it's literally the key that opens the door to the blessed life that comes only from Jesus. I'm out of time. Pastor Mitch, I'm probably going to go over my time by a few seconds. But I, I remember this story in between the two services, and I want I want to share this with you about this whole, I don't like what I have to give or I can't afford to give. So his name's Bradley McDonald. You know Bradley McDonald. He's in Baton Rouge. Bradley McDonald, a couple of years ago, was just a person that stood in the parking lot. He's a very shy guy. He's very quiet. He's not going to high-five you real high. He's not going to what up you. He's going to say just his quiet He's probably actually not the best guy to be out in the parking lot, if we're being honest. He doesn't have that personality, you know? Like, he's just not that guy. He's... But two years ago or so, on a Sunday morning, a family walks into Acacia's church for the very first time. They get out of the car, and his name was Joel Dorman. Nobody knew Joel Dorman. Nobody had any idea. I didn't know Joel Dorman. The, the rest of the story is that Joel Dorman was called to Baton Rouge to plant a church and after a few months the church went belly up and basically Joel lost everything and he, he got really mad at God he got really really angry at God and so he had made a connection with Pastor Russ there in, at, at Acacia and Pastor Russ had convinced him to come to church and so that Sunday morning Joel Dorman brought his family to church and he got out of the car and he said God, I don't want to be here. I hope I hate everything about this. I don't want to do church ever again. And then he met Bradley McDonald. Come here, Pastor Mitch. I'm going to turn this over to you in just a second. So you be Joel Dorman, and you're walking in. I'm Bradley McDonald. And this is literally all that happened. This is the only transaction that happened that morning in the parking lot. And Bradley just looked ahead a handshake and a pat on the back it wasn't a great cool vibe, it wasn't the singing it wasn't even the preaching but Joel Dorman said through his own testimony that when Bradley McDonald patted his back and shook his hand he was reminded of the still small voice of God and that one transaction broke down the walls and today right now in California Joel Dorman is pastoring the church here's why it wasn't because somebody brought a bunch of gold and silver it's because they were determined this trash bag full of goat hair is what I've got and I'm going to give it it's not my personality it's not necessarily going to be recognized but it's possible that could change the life of a human being. That is the goat hair.